a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? <laughs> well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb. And then smart again. I'm Helen Hong. And now, socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Very nice to see you again. How are you? Nice to see you. I am, uh, it's a little, it's, it's been schwitzy. It's a little schwitzy. It's been really hot. It's been heat wavy. Yes. Well, Helen, I have a little bit of news that I'm excited to share. Really? I actually have a new job. It is for one week. I have a one-week job <gasps> writing on a game show. Uh, oh. But here's the fun part. See if you can guess which specific part of the TV game show I have been hired to write. I'm going to blindly guess uh, the, the, the part you have to write the things before people go to bathroom break. Before people go to bathroom break. That's a very reasonable guess. But no, no, I am not writing the questions. I'm not writing the bathroom break stuff. This is a show where uh, people say an answer. Then they say, you know, some bonus uh, content, some frill, as they call it in the biz. And then mm. I get to write the part where the host says something in response to that because so far all they have the host saying is thank you or that's interesting. Um, so I get to write that part. And uh, I did the math today. There are approximately 800 instances where this happens. Uh, and I have to write 800 different ways of saying what? thank you or that's interesting. No, you have to find 800 different ways of saying thank you or that's interesting. Exactly. So if like yes. right on oh, or Helen, good on Helen, ya. I'm down to 799. Thank you so much for helping me. <laughs> that's right. And they say show business isn't glamorous. <laughs> So, Helen, I may borrow from you today. If you happen to say anything after I give a fun fact, uh, get ready. That may show up on television later this fall. Well, buckle up for a lot of wow. 798. <laughs> today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Helen, who is up first? He is an Emmy-winning actor seen recently as a recurring character on Bless This Mess and known for his seven seasons as Jerry on Parks and Recreation. It's Jim O'Hare. Hi, Jim O'Hare. Hey, Jay Keith. How are you? Hey, Helen. Oh, I'm so happy. Hi, so happy to have you on the show. We've been trying to do this for a long time, and I'm so happy that it all worked out now. We have. And let me, let me um, you know, fanboy for a little bit. Jay Keith. I used to be obsessed with Beat the Geeks. Oh, no kidding. Years ago. So, yeah, I have, uh, I've been a fan of the Keith Man for a long time. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Helen, I don't care at all about Oh, wow. So, as long as, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what a uh, shocking uh, development. As, kidding, as kidding. the official <laughs> scorekeeper, I already know who's going to win. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> just kidding there, Helen. Just kidding. <laughs> Jim, I have to tell you, uh, the first time I actually met you in person, I, I, I told you, which is something that I still believe today, that every time that I've rewatched Parks and Recreation, which has been several times now I've been through it, every time I appreciate more and more how wonderful you are and how great your work is, except the first time that I met you and I got to tell you that in person, I accidentally said The Office instead of Parks and Rec. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that no. was pretty bad. And I got the feeling Awkward. that was not the first time that it happened to you. Just so you know, the minute you said The Office, I didn't hear another word. So <laughs> I don't know what you said to me. I don't care what you said yeah. to me. Uh, no, yeah. dude, it happens all the time. The other day, I'm driving through, a, I think, a Carl's Jr. or something. And the girl, I pull up to get me, and she goes, 
oh, I could, you know, she got flustered and she goes, oh my God, I can't believe it. The Office is my favorite show. And I said, yeah, uh... I enjoy it too. And then she pauses <laughs> and she goes, I'm so sorry. Parks and Rec. I go, no, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, I actually, I did a, um, I, I guess you'd call it kind of a podcast thing, an interview thing with three of the people from The Office last month. It was mm-hmm. Kate Flannery and, and Brian Baumgartner and Oscar Nunez and, uh, oh, God, she played Jan. Uh, 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 oh, Melora Harden. Melora Harden, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the first question I asked all of them was, hey, listen, you guys, what was it like being on the second greatest show of all time? <laughs> and, there, and there was this pause. And then Kate, who I love, I know Kate, you know, as a friend, the first thing Kate out of her mouth, I don't know, Jim, tell us, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. because I am an office super fan. Helen mentioned in your intro that you are an Emmy winning actor, but people might be yeah. surprised that your Emmy did not come from Parks and Recreation. Tell us what you got your Emmy for. You know, after Parks, my career took a lovely turn where I was getting offered things rather than having to audition and all that kind of stuff, which is, you know, always the dream. And so we get this offer from a soap opera, which I'd never done. Uh, they ah. wanted to use me and, and uh, mm-hmm. Monica Haran, just the sweetest person in the whole world. And they just kind of it was going to be like a visual bit. We were going to be this couple doing a guest spot on the soap opera. Well, it, wait, it was a daytime a soap daytime opera? soap opera called Bold and the what? Beautiful, and what? yes, and we were the comic relief. So it went and it went well. And they call us again. Would you come back and do this again? Because our audience, whatever, loved it. So we went back again, and then. I'll never forget. I was heading to Chicago for something. I'm in a car heading to the airport and the phone rings and I pick it up and I go, hello. And he goes, Hi, this is uh, so-and-so Bell from Bold and the Beautiful. And I want to congratulate you on your Emmy nomination. I'm like, what? what? No, no, no. BS. <laughs> so I wasn't even going to go to the ceremony because I was I had no expectation of winning. And friends of mine were opening in this show that I wanted to see. And so I kind of cut a deal with, I said, okay, I will show up. But I said to the driver, they told me that my category is at 525. So at five, by 540, I'm going to be in your car and we'll head to where we got to go. <laughs> so it was Larry King. He, Him and someone else are presenting the award. And he does. He shows the people on the screen. And I'm watching. I'm like, oh, boy, that person's really good. They're going to win this. And Larry King goes, uh, and the winner is Jim O'Hare for Bold and the Beautiful. And what? I swear to you, and you, if you see the somewhere on, you know, line somewhere, there was just this look on my face because all that went through my mind was, damn, that is so familiar. I know that name. But I, <laughs> nothing, nothing was connecting. And then the girl next to me from the show starts hitting me. And I look at her like, what, what is happening? And then I realized, holy crap, I won the damn thing. So wow. now I'm walking up there like, I haven't prepared anything. I thought I was going to be in a car right now heading over to my buddy's house. <laughs> anyway, so it was quite... Wait, so this... Was the character like guest star in a daytime soap yes, opera? Yes, best guest that... star in a daytime soap or daytime whatever what? the hell. Yeah, yeah. That is crazy. It was crazy. And it ruined my whole night because I had to stay for the CBS, all the parties and all that crap. <laughs> oh, and I had to walk around God, with the Don't you thing. just hate that when you <laughs> win an Emmy and it ruins oh. your, oh, God. My condolences, Jim. I couldn't go to the parties and carry my food plate and the Emmy. It was a lot. Oh. It was a lot. <laughs> Where's the Emmy now, Jim? It's actually, to be honest, it was on my desk for uh, a year. And then I went away to do a show for like three months. And when I came back, my friends, without my knowing, had a, because they knew I would just keep it on the desk. They had a a, a thing built with a plastic case. And it's in my <gasps> dining room in a plastic case. 
on a mantle. It, it was very sweet. It was because I never would have done that for myself. I just wouldn't have. It is an improvement from when he just he just used to wear it on a chain around his neck. Yeah, well, and it's better for my back. Uh, but yes. I will say this: when I was uh, a couple weeks ago, I was shooting a film here because you know everything is crazy now, and they sent the cameras here, and they needed to get a view where where they wanted to see. And so I was giving a tour of the house, and I said, "Oh, pardon the Emmy. I'll try not to get it in the way." <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. So it, it's it's brought a few laughs for sure. Excellent. Well, it's wonderful to have you join us. Thank, Thank you. you so much for being here, Jim O'Hare. Helen, against whom will Jim be competing? She is a comedian and writer who hosts the podcast That Black Ass Show and for over three years has been a correspondent on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. It's Dulce Sloan. Hello, Dulce. Hello, friends. Hi, honey. Hi, Dulce. So nice to see you. Hi, buddies. What's going on? <laughs> yes. Well, that brings me to my first question, which is that you and Helen know each other. Tell us about that. I met Helen when I was living in L.A. and... I think one day at the improv, I just started talking to her about Korean dramas or were we were talking about food or was it Korean dramas? I, I don't know how it came up, but it somehow came up that Dulce is like more Korean than I will ever be <laughs> in my entire Like I, I, my, I was born in Korea. My whole family is Korean. And meanwhile, you're a black woman from Atlanta and you're way more Korean than I will ever be. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like the other day, because like my favorite thing to do is go in the H-Mart and uh, one of my best friends, he loves kimchi pancakes. So I was like, I wonder how hard it is to make these. So <laughs> I went to the H-Mart, one of my favorite places to go. The H-Mart is like a huge Korean supermarket chain. Yes. And the H stands for Hanguk, which is how you say Korea in Korean. Ah, ah mm-hmm. thank you so much. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you set out to make kimchi pancakes. I went kimchi pancakes. And so this older Korean guy had walked by my cart. And I had like all this Korean stuff in my cart. And it's always an old Korean man who walks past me with his hands behind his back. And he'll look at my cart. And he'll look at me. And look at the cart. And look at me. And he goes, oh, it's very good. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. And I was like, come samnida. He's like, oh, come samnida. And then he was like, habla espanol. And I was like, yes. So now... This Korean man <laughs> asked me if I speak Spanish, and what? I do. So what? now I'm talking to this old Korean man in Spanish. He asked wow. me my name is, and I told him, and then he told me his name was Pedro, and I laughed for entirely too long. <laughs> his face. But after he walked away, I was like, ha-ha, Pedro! <laughs> well, you... You, I've never admitted this to you, Dulce, but mm-hmm. you, you post a lot about these amazing, elaborate Korean spreads that you make. I, I steal those videos and show them to my mother with an overdub of my voice over the <laughs> so that she thinks that I have made this amazing, elaborate Korean spread because I don't cook at all. And so, and she's always like, oh, hello. She's so proud of me. And it's actually you. That's she's, hilarious. My mom is proud of you. My mom is very proud of you. Hey, tell her I said, come samnida. <laughs> Dulce, I want to ask you a little bit about some of your work that you've done. People, of course, know you from uh, The Daily Show. You've, been, you've continued to do your work as a correspondent while you've been in quarantine. I've noticed that you did a lot of bits on the show where you got to be in crazy costumes. Is that something that you miss now uh, doing the shows from your home? I, w- I mean, they ha- one day they turned me into a Christmas tree, and <laughs> uh, I'm in a suit, and like they just covered me in like, tinsel and decorations. So I'm standing there, we do the quick cut to me, and then when it cuts away, we take a break on the show. And I just went, I went to college. So 
And they ended up not using it, but the oh. audience thought it was great. Your diploma um, at work, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm just a tree. I was just yeah. standing there. I, was, I am the Christmas tree. Um, and then I got to play God, which is really funny. That was well, Tell us about the God costume briefly, because that was exceptional to watch. Well, originally it was, they had like saw that, that long white beard, and there was originally a wig that matched the beard. And Trevor saw me in rehearsal, and he's like, no, I want her to have her afro. So we just spent all this time braiding my afro down to get it underneath this wig. And me and the, and me and the makeup artist were like, yeah, okay. So now, <laughs> and so, but there's like a picture of our, um, one of my favorite parts is uh, when I still have like the long wig on, there's a picture of our um, director, Paul Pinalino. Mm-hmm. And he's kneeling in the hallway, and I'm blessing him <laughs> with a white God. beard and a black afro. Yeah. But I didn't have afros at this point. Oh, okay. I'm just giving you uh, yeah. the European Anglo yeah. Christian be- like God. Yep, yep. So, and it was funny because when they, when we finally went to the afro, and I was like, oh. Hair like wool. That's what it should be. All right. <laughs> so just running around like a jackass. Um, but it's been fun. I got green screens in here. I got big lights. Mm. Uh, I got a box of grits. I'm trying to get into the union after all of this because I have been <laughs> putting all kind of cameras and lights and, you know, and they gave us all of this equipment. And yeah. There's all this. Wow. You got to Taft-Hartley those grits. Yeah, man. Yeah. I got between the grits and the wooden box, I got to. FedEx box and an Amazon box. Listen, they could be, I don't know if they're grips. I don't know. Best boys. I thought you said There's, grits. That's what I was, yeah. I was so no, 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 no. I was like, wait a minute. Why are there grits? No, no, no. It is a box of grits. Box I'm of saying grits. Is, okay, it wasn't completely off. I don't know what you, I don't know if they're stage hands. Right, I don't right. know what union. Yes. I need them to be applying to. We'll, we'll look into that and get back to you. Uh, sure. Teamsters, perhaps. <laughs> yes. Well, we look forward to seeing more of that. And we're so happy that you joined us. Dulce Sloan. Hello. Hello, indeed. Uh, Dulce and Jim, we ask each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Jim, you said you know a lot about the November 3rd elections, the musical Les Miserables, and in keeping with that level of seriousness, also the TV show Mama's Family. <laughs> where... <laughs> yeah. And, and yep. by expert, you know, who knows what the hell I know. But exactly. Yes, we'll find I, out. I, I, I'm involved in all three of those things. Excellent. We can't wait to find out more. Whereas Dulce, you said you know a lot about the TV show Star Trek The Next Generation. Ooh, hey. ooh, ooh, ooh. The t- that was me. That's me, Helen. That was you, Helen Hong. The TV yep. show Star Trek Deep Space Nine. My favorite. Not as much of a ooh ooh from Helen. Uh, and historical Korean dramas, as we found out. <laughs> Excellent. Well, later on, we're going to ask each of you some in depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today trust but verify. Up first is Jim. Jim, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? It's from Greg and Mona Yeager of Chicago, Illinois. Listeners, if you would like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactyourpod.com and click on Get Involved. Thank you, Helen, and thank you, Greg and Mona. All right, Jim, in the topic of trust but verify, trust. Jim, they both are signs that you don't trust someone, but what is the difference between mistrust and distrust? Mistrust with an M and distrust with a D. Mistrust is just, you don't really have all the facts. So mm-hmm. you're like, well, I, you know, this person hasn't really proven to me either. You know, my experience with this person, I just can't really put it there. Distrust means they have proven in the past. They have absolutely screwed things up. They have not been 
honest with me or whatever. Uh, I cannot trust them. Mistrust means I'm questionable because I don't really know their motives, but I don't have much information to go on other than this just doesn't seem right. All right. We've got Jim's answer. We don't know yet if he is correct. Don't say you can steal if you don't think he's got it exactly right. What do you think? Oh, I think he's right. Uh oh. <laughs> don't say you're going to agree with Jim, is what you're saying. Yes, he sounds. Be- Listen, I trust a white man in many things. <laughs> my mama always told me if you don't know, know nothing, ask D white man. And okay. Jim's giving me very much D white man vibe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I trust this segment is going to get us in trouble with a lot of people. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. You mistrust something when you have no reason to believe the source, like advice from a stranger, or if you have a general sense of unease as to the reliability of the information. You can't put your finger on it, but something doesn't feel right. You distrust something when you know from previous experience that the information or its source is unreliable. They know what they did. (laughs) That's right. Now, for instance, I might mistrust anyone who says they're going to give me $15 million, but I distrust the email from a Nigerian prince who says it because I swear I'm not falling for that again. (laughs) Helen, how did they do? I think Jim got both points. I think he did as well. Congratulations. Two points for Jim. Don't say you were correct to agree, but Jim got it first, so he gets the two points. You guys, I never got the information. Is this $100,000 a point? What What does this come out to? Um, sure. Yeah, sure. we're going to talk about okay. that after the okay. show. I just yes. want to make sure because I certainly <clears throat> wouldn't be here for nothing. <laughs> oh, no. No, nor would I, nor would <laughs> Helen, nor would Dulce. No. No, Jim, I, I will say you do have favored nations with everybody else on the show. Excellent. Well, we were all getting better. paid the exact same amount. You can, you can mistrust us. <laughs> yes, yes, here we go. I have the feeling you're right. <laughs> all right. Up next is Dulce. Dulce, for your turn in the topic of trust but verify, verify. They both might be ways to earn your trust, but what is the difference between verify and confirm? Verify and confirm. Okay, so I think that verify is you take your own information that you have Mm -hmm. and compare it with their information Mm -hmm. to make sure that it's correct. Confirm means that you're just agreeing with the information that they gave you. Okay. Uh, Dulce, by the way, is stretching out her headphone cord across her face as if that's where uh, she keeps her answers <laughs> or perhaps to hide from the truth. Uh, but we do have Dulce's answer. We don't know yet if she is correct. Jim, what do you think? I got to tell you, I, I'm, I'm pretty much with Dulce. I think confirmation is I'm just agreeing to something where if I'm going to verify, I'm, go- I'm doing the work. I'm putting mm-hmm. in the time and the effort to see if this is a fact or not. Whereas confirming, I've someone... The neighbor could have told me this is a fact, and I'm going to tell you, yep, it's good. I heard it from the neighbor. Okay, so you're you're going to agree with the black woman just as Dulce agreed with the white man. You know me. I go with the black woman, and this is what <laughs> okay. it is. Oh, you can't go wrong. You can't, can't go, go wrong. You cannot go wrong. <laughs> cannot go wrong. Well, this segment is getting verifiably too long. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. When you verify, you are checking up on something that you are not sure is accurate or not. Like, does that hot person on Tinder really look like their pictures? (laughs) When you confirm, you're checking up on something that you believe to be accurate, but are making sure. Like confirming a dinner reservation with that hot person on Tinder. 
Clearly, J. Keith wrote this joke because who goes out to dinner with someone on Tinder? I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I thought that's what the kids did these days. I don't know. I've been out of it. Uh, that is correct, Helen. And I can confirm that we did verify those definitions. Helen, how did our guest do? I think I'm going to give Dulce half a point for each definition because you kind of were in the ballpark, but you weren't quite precise. So half point for each means one point total for Dulce. All right. And what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Dulce Sloan has one point and Jim O'Hare has two points. All right, but those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Helen, we have a sponsor for this episode of Go Fact Yourself. I love to hear it. And you're going to love to hear even more when I tell you the name of this company. Helen, it is called Kitty Poo Club. Kitty Poo Club. Kitty Poo Club. Helen, guess what Kitty Poo Club does? I'm going to take a wild, wild stab and say they send you kitty litter? They do. They do not send you kitty poo. They send you the (laughs) stuff that the kitty poo goes in. But it's not just kitty litter that they send you. Every month, Kitty Poo Club delivers to your door an affordable, high-quality, recyclable litter box that is pre-filled with the litter of your choice. (gasps) They actually sent me a box. My cat's just used it this morning, I can attest, by both sight and smell. Uh, (laughs) But it's great because they have this odor-absorbing litter in there, and they send a new box every month, and the boxes are leak-proof, they're eco-friendly, and they have a fun design for every season. The one I got has a little barn theme on it, and it is adorable. (gasps) You, of course, are a dog person. I am a cat person, but I'm sure we can all agree that the worst part of owning a pet is dealing with, well, with their poop. Yeah. Uh, Well, imagine you as a dog person, if your dog pooped uh, several times a day in your own home, you probably would not enjoy that very much. No, I might not even have a dog. No, no. (laughs) I do, of course, love my cats, but it does mean that I have to have that litter box in my home. But Kitty Poo Club, it takes care of the more unpleasant parts of cat ownership, so you can get back to loving your furry little friends. So they send you this box of litter every month, and when the month is up, you don't have to deal with digging the stuff out. You just recycle the box, and Kitty Poo Club will automatically deliver a new one to you. You don't have to change used litter. You don't have to clean the box. You fold it right up. You put it in the recycling bin. Done and done. It's fantastic. I just love the fact that they're called Kitty Poo Club. I mean, what a what an adorable name. I like that fact, too. I, I got to be honest. Even if I didn't love what they did... I would love advertising for Kitty Poo Club, but I also happen to love what they do. And what I also love is that right now, Kitty Poo Club is offering our listeners 20% off their first order if they go to set up an auto ship at kittypooclub.com and enter the promo code GOFACT. It's kittypooclub.com. Helen, what is that promo code? GOFACT. That's right. G-O-F. A-C-T. And you'll get 20% off when you set up auto ship. That's kittypooclub.com. And don't forget to enter the promo code GOFACT at checkout. Kitty Poo Club. Thank, Thank you, kittypooclub.com. Congratulations. You've won a ticket to attend an exclusive opportunity in a relaxing environment with two lovers. Wow. Well, this sounds like a sort of proposition of sorts, but really it's an ad for our podcast. Wonderful. It's a show we do here on Maximum Fun where we talk about things that we like and things that we're into. I'm Rachel McElroy, and you just heard Griffin McElroy, and we are excited for you to join us as we talk about movies and music and books. Things like sneezing or the idea of rain. (laughs) Can you get news or information you can use? 
Absolutely you cannot, because we're here to talk to you about pumpernickel bread. You can find new episodes on Wednesdays. So catch, catch the wave. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Jim O'Hare with two points and Dulce Sloan with one point. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Jim, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the November 3rd elections, the musical Les Miserables, and the TV show Mama's Family. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, you said you know a lot about the November 3rd elections. Well, yeah, when I say I know a lot about them, I want mm-hmm. the crazy man out of office. I so see. So that's that's what I mean when I say I know a lot about it. Now, I should point out that we are recording this uh, before the election, but uh, wow. this episode will drop after the election. So yes. is there is there anything you'd like to say to your future self uh, or to the future listeners? Here's what I say to my future self. Yes. If it doesn't go the way you want to, mm-hmm. put the knife. Down. Okay, an important <laughs> public service down. from Jim O'Hare. Oh no, Put he's still going. The knife down. It will be okay. Put it down. Jim, I, I like that you know your future self well enough that you have to say it four times in order to get you to listen to yourself. Please, I say that about cheesecake, and look at me. I don't put it down. (laughs) So when it comes to the knife, put the knife down. Yes. All right, Jim, you also said you know a lot about the musical Les Miserables. The reason I love Les Mis is, number one, it's just this amazing musical, the heart, the the passion um, for each character. Uh, There's never been a time I've seen it where I didn't bawl like a baby at the end. Uh, It's just a really special show to me. I have seen it uh, literally all over the world. Uh, I've seen it 19 times, and oh, wow. I would be happy to see it again tomorrow if there was a production up and running. Wow. And Wonderful. then, yep. you know, I'm going to say it. Yep. I love me some Mama's Family. Yes, let's get to that. Tell us about that. Dulce is cheering along in celebration. Uh, it's in a great show. I, did, I was 10 when it was on, but me and my brother loved it. <laughs> yeah, I do too. And there's two different sections of Mama's Family. And I will say yes. my preference is the later sections with Iola, the neighbor who uh, I just think is just awesome. But yeah, uh, I, you know, it was originally on Carol Burnett. They did the show on Mm -hmm. Carol Burnett and I loved it on there. It was a skit that turned into a sitcom. I would guess, I could be wrong, but I've seen each episode, I don't know, 10, 15 times, I would imagine. Because it's on, you know, it's still on all the time. So uh, I do love it. And I've had a chance to work with uh, Vicki Lawrence (sighs) on an episode of- um, Cool Kids. Cool Kids. No, no, no. Uh, uh, Allie McBeal. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Years ago. kind of random. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. I have to say, you know, one of the things I love about hosting this show is that we get to have on people who I'm a fan of, and I never would have guessed <laughs> that Jim O'Hare would be both <laughs> as knowledgeable about Les Mis as he is Mama's family. It's, uh, it's quite a contrast. We love it. We celebrate all of it. <laughs> so to summarize, Jim, you said you know a lot about the November 3rd elections, the musical Les Miserables, and the TV show Mama's Family. Today, we're going to quiz you about... Les Miserables. Oh, okay. I'm nervous, but let's do it. All right. So you said you've seen several productions. Did you have a favorite of the ones that you've seen? Uh, so many favorites. Actually, the last one, Broadway did a, re- a new version of it about, mm-hmm. I don't know, four years ago. And so I got to see that one. And uh, they just, they upped their game a little bit. The, the set was a little different. Uh, that was one of my favorites. But one of my favorites that I did not see in person mm-hmm. was PBS did the, uh, like the, the big group thing with a bunch of people. And mm-hmm. so that I can, I have that and I watch that at least once a year. I just pop it in what I just need to. And the sad part is for anyone who lives near me or in my house, 
Yeah. I sing along. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jim. So just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our three-part question. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints in these five questions. Now, Dulce, do listen closely because you can steal if Jim gets any of these wrong. Dulce, by the way, how much do you know about the musical Name is Rob? <laughs> <laughs> even say it I know. <laughs> yeah. by the way i know it might be sacrilegious to fans of that show but from here on in i'm just going to say les mis because uh, my tongue is sufficiently tied that is how it's referred to That's yes okay. indeed all right here's question number one for jim o'hare the musical les mis is based on the novel les miserables published in 1862 who is the author of that novel who also wrote the hunchback of notre dame i believe your answer would be victor hugo Helen? That is correct. We yeah, say hi. Baby. Fun fact, as we discussed with Rachel Bloom in a previous episode, there has been a musical version of The Hunchback of Notre Dame, but it has yet to make it to Broadway. All right, here's question number two. As we find out repeatedly in the first song of the show and later, what is Jean Valjean's prison number? And yes, please sing it. Okay, I'm sorry for what's about to happen. <laughs> so do it, do it. you do what you will with your, if people need to hit buttons or whatever. But two, four, six, oh, one. <laughs> applause from all of our guests and panelists and hosts. Helen, is that correct? That is correct. Yes, we don't know yes. if it's musically correct, but uh, lyrically, <laughs> oh, that is definitely it is correct. not musically correct. No, no, no. It no, is correct for the point. <laughs> right. Uh, fun fact, according to some authors, Victor Hugo chose this number because it corresponded to the date he believed he was conceived, June 24, 1801. 24, wow. 601. Wow, what an ego on that guy, huh? Yes. <laughs> well, so I'm in the, in the future, I'm going to go, Oh, two, oh, four, sixty-two. <laughs> and I don't want to know why you know the date you were conceived. All right, Jim. Don't you worry. I know all that. Okay. All right, Jim, you're two for two. Here's question number three. In 2012, Vulture ranked every major song in the musical. They put On My Own at number one. But what song, which includes the lyric, here's a hint of gold stuck into a tooth, did they rank dead last? Master of the House. Helen, is it Master of the House? It is not Master no, of the House. No, I'm terribly sorry. I'm terribly sorry. I'm sorry. Dulce gets a chance to steal Dulce. Oh, I was so sure of it. I am failing as a theater kid. I have not seen it. Nowhere. All right. I'm sorry. No answer there. The correct answer, dog eats dog. Yeah, dog yeah, eats yeah. dog. That was it's the one. It's when I'm he's sorry. in the subway after yep. he's gone In down. the sewer. In the sewer. In yeah. the sewer. Yeah. Yep. Subway. What, you know yep. what I mean? Yeah. Yes, exactly. All right. Oh, well, let's I'm see so if you can. I'm so mad at myself. That's yeah. all right. It happens. Well, I'm sure you can bounce back. Here's question number four. Though millions of people have seen Les Mis on stage, millions more have only seen its 2012 movie adaptation, which, despite some questionable casting, <clears throat> Russell Crowe, uh, earned eight <laughs> Academy. Russell Crowe. Yes. <laughs> Oh, sure. Wow. It earned eight Academy Award nominations. One of those nominations was for Best Original Song because it had a song that was written especially for the movie and sung by Hugh Jackman. What is the name of that added song? Oh, damn. I don't know that. I mean, you I, do have a hint could... available if you'd like to use that first hint. I do want a hint. Yeah, yeah. Helen, yeah. how about that first hint? The title is one word and is a synonym for unexpectedly. And Billy Ocean and Olivia Newton-John each had hits with different songs that also have this title. Oh, damn. Those are good hints, right? Uh, I thought so. You know, we wrote them, but yeah. I feel it begins with a letter B, and I don't know what I'm basing that on. Um, All right. I don't know it. 
I'm gonna have to. Okay, go I'm sorry. No an- no answer there. Dulce with a chance to steal. Surprise. Helen, is it surprise? It is not surprise. No, a very reasonable guess. No, we were looking for suddenly. Suddenly oh. is the song there. Yes. Uh. Yeah, I don't even know the song, so I'm not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's all right. Mm. Uh, fun fact, though, the movie won three Oscars of the eight nominations that it received. Suddenly lost Best Original Song to Skyfall from Adele. All right. Here's question number five. This is tricky, but I, you do still have a hint available, and I think you got a chance at this one. Here we go. On January 24, 2016, Hamilton creator and star Lin-Manuel Miranda added to his resume by providing an offstage voice during a live performance of Les Mis on Broadway. He speaks twice, and both times his lines begin, You at the barricade, listen to this. What is the name of the character who says these lines? Oh, damn, you at the barricade, listen to this. No, no, coming to help you to find you're on your own. You have no friends. Oh, I don't know his name, but would you like your second hint? Yes, give me my second hint. Helen, how about that second hint? He's an officer in the army. Uh, sergeant. Helen, is it sergeant? It's not sergeant. No, I'm terribly sorry. (laughs) Don't save the chance to steal. Lieutenant. Is it lieutenant? It is not lieutenant. Oh. No, it is not, Lieutenant. No, we wanted to give that to you so bad. It's simply an army officer. An army oh. officer is that character's you name in the script. Tough. That was tough. That was Ooh, tough. Oh, real human, Jonathan Keithland. I don't know who that is, but that person would be very upset to hear that. Uh, he is also called, he is also referred to as the loud hailer because he speaks through a loud hailer, which is what they called a megaphone back then. By the way, Lin-Manuel Miranda once said that that one backstage shot was much more nerve-wracking than doing Hamilton eight wow. days a week. All yeah. right, you stumbled a little bit, but now here is I your stumbled. time. I stumbled. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, don't have to apologize. These are, these are tough. It's always a little difficult for us calibrating the difficulty of the questions, but you gave it, you gave it your best try. And here now is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Jim, one member of the original Broadway cast of Les Mis has had a particularly long and celebrated journey with the show. She was nominated for a Tony for playing one character in the original 1987 Broadway production, played that same character in an all-star 1995 concert recorded at Royal Albert Hall that aired on PBS's Great Performances and was released as an album that you may be familiar with at least once a year. Then she joined the Broadway revival that I believe you saw to play Play that character's mother in 2007, 20 years after she'd opened the show on Broadway. So, for up to three points, what is the name of either of the characters she played? What is the name of that concert recorded at Royal Albert Hall? And what is the name of this Tony-nominated actor? Okay, I'm t- I, it's Cosette, obviously. Because uh, you're saying she played the little girl and then her mother. I didn't say little girl. I just say played. She she played one character on Broadway, oh, and then Fontaine. and then later played then later played a character that character's mother. So she played Fontaine, and then Cosette is my okay. What is that your would answer? Be. Okay. Um, okay. The second part was what is that? What is that special called? That concert that was recorded at Royal Albert Hall. My God, I thought it was just like the twenty uh, fifth. Oh God, I, I watched it. The twenty fifth anniversary special. Lame is. 25th anniversary of that special play, Miss. Okay, and then who is that Tony-nominated actor? I'm embarrassed to say because I love her, but I don't know her name. Can't pull the name. No, not, not, the no name. answer there. Okay. No. Uh, all right. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? 
Joining us tonight is a multiple Tony, Olivier, and Grammy Award nominee who has appeared on Broadway in 10 different productions, including the original Broadway production and revival of Les Miserables. It's Judy Kuhn. Hello, Judy Kuhn. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I can't believe how many times you've seen Les Miserables. I know. <laughs> and actually, after the last time I saw the new one on Broadway, uh, the word got out that I was there, I guess. So I started getting a bunch of DMs saying, why didn't you come back and see us and stuff? And I didn't know to because sometimes I'll be at things and people will say, oh, the cast would like to meet you afterward. But nobody came up and I'm not looking to impose myself on anybody. And I was so mad because I so wanted to go back. Oh, my God. Uh, you're you're amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you. You are amazing. And uh, obviously the, the pandemic has affected everybody, but it's been especially hard on people in the arts. You, I imagine, were uh, in the midst of preparing for a show when uh, when things went down? Yeah, I was two weeks into rehearsals for a, a revival of the Stephen Sondheim show, Assassins, mm. when we shut down. I mean, it's really, it's been devastating for the theater. Yeah. I mean, truly yeah. devastating. How are people in bro on Broadway coping like like what are people doing you know well doing a lot of self-taping for whatever <laughs> tv and film productions around uh doing a lot of um online benefits for the actors mm -hmm. fund and various other you know for for campaigns and uh you know doing whatever we can do to stay sane and healthy. Mm. Well, I mean, I've been doing outdoor outdoor comedy shows. So I'm surprised they haven't been like, all right, guys, listen, we're gonna set up a stage outside at uh, five, six, seven, eight. Let's go. <laughs> Very surprised nobody set up like a show in the park. Wow. There's yeah. there's been a little bit of that, but it's hard to do. Yeah, Dulce, you're like the Judy Garland of today. You just need to find your Mickey Rooney and let's find a let's find a park and put on a show. Judy, let's talk about some of the stuff that uh, you've done in the past. Uh, a lot of people may not realize that they are familiar with your voice, even if they haven't seen you on Broadway, because you were the voice of a very popular song in a very popular Disney movie. Tell us about that. Yes, I provided the singing voice in Disney's Pocahontas. Whoa! Yes. Yeah. So you sang, wow. you sang, you sang "Colors of the Wind" in the, the, uh, in, in, the, the in the in the movie. You sang "Colors of That Wind," girl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you were you were involved from the beginning. You actually did the original demo, and then they just kept you throughout the process. I right? did. I did. I got a call. I I knew Stephen Schwartz. We'd worked together before, and I I knew Alan Menken a bit, but we hadn't worked together. But um, they asked me to demo this demo "Colors of the Wind" when after they'd written it. It was when Disney was thinking about. Whether mm -hmm. they wanted to make a Pocahontas movie, they just got so used to me singing those songs that they uh, they wow. hired me to do this the music, and then they hired a Native American yeah. actress to do the dialogue. Judy, do you consider yourself one of the Disney princesses? Uh, I I don't I personally don't, but I am considered. You uh, are. Uh, yes, if you I, sing I, those I, songs. <laughs> I am a Disney. Yes. I guess I am a Disney princess. Yes. Yeah. Now, in addition, I, I, come on, Blue Corn Moon. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> well, it's funny. I actually was going to ask you about that. I read in an interview, and I couldn't tell if you were kidding or not. That you said I actually, I still to this day have no idea what a Blue Corn Moon is. That is that, that is correct. That's and then apparently, <laughs> yeah. Um, when I said that out loud, yeah. Stephen Schwartz was confessed that he made that up. Wow. <laughs> he doesn't know what it is either? No. 
Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> well, it just goes to show you all these rhymed or something. all these actors who were so concerned about having the proper lyrical interpretation of, of something. It turns out you had all the success and every, neither you nor the writer knew what it meant. Yeah, every Native American person that saw that movie was like, what the hell is a blue corn? <laughs> are they just, are just, are they just making yeah. stuff up over there? I think it's White a chip. folks are at it again. Yes. <laughs> well, let's talk about your theatrical experiences. On Broadway, you've been in shows like Mystery of Edwin Drood, Chess, She Loves Me, Fun Home with Michael Cerveris, who we had on a recent episode, Fiddler on the Roof. One of your first shows that you did on Broadway was called Rags, which mm-hmm. was very uh, well acclaimed but didn't last very long. How did you find out that it was closed? <laughs> well, it was the day, night, evening after we opened. I think I was vacuuming my apartment, something I probably hadn't done for many weeks. And I had the TV news on and the logo came up on the screen. So I got all excited. I thought they were going to say something nice about my show. So I turned off the vacuum and I turned up the volume on the TV and the person on the TV looked straight at me and said, Rags, which opened last night at the Mark Hellinger Theater, will close tomorrow after four performances. (laughs) (laughs) How does the show close that quick? Am I not? I, producers decide to pull the plug. Mm. Now, usually producers Whoa. would tell, inform the actors before they inform the press, but they right. neglected Whoa. to do that in this yes. case. So. The glamour of show business. Yes. But on the bright side, did, am I right that the timing of that show closing so soon actually opened up an opportunity for you to go into Les Mis? Yes, it did. I had had a couple auditions for the show, and, and I guess, you know, they assumed that I was not going to be available for it until mm-hmm. they heard that um, Rags had closed. So mm-hmm. I got called back in for one more audition and then was offered Cosette. Oh, my. How aware were you of Les Mis? Because it was already a big hit in London before it came over to uh, Broadway, right? Yeah, no, I'd read about the show and people were calling it the musical Nicholas Nickleby because it mm-hmm. was the same directors. It also started at the Royal Shakespeare Company and was based on a great epic 19th century novel. So, yeah, and I, I mean, I'd heard a lot about it. I hadn't seen it. I, I might have heard some of the music from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, everybody wanted to be at that show. <laughs> yeah. And when did you have a sense that, oh, my God, this actually is the, the big hit that I thought it might be? Well, you know, we weren't even, we weren't really thinking about it being a hit. You know, it was it just... We knew that it had been a big deal in London, but you never, mm-hmm. I had just come off a show that closed after yeah. four performances, yeah. so you never know. <laughs> maybe when it's a rehearsal or maybe our first preview um, after we were um, about to open at the Kennedy Center and I w- went into work and I w- was walking through one of those big foyers at the Kennedy Center by the box office for the o- Opera House where we were performing and there was a long, long line went all the way down the hallway and out the door. Mm. And I thought, oh, maybe this one won't close after four performances. <laughs> <laughs> Judy, how, how long did you stay with the show and what went into your decision to, to leave at the time that you did? I was in it for a year, I guess, from mm. the time that we opened at the Kennedy Center. And I left at the end of my contract to go do chess. 
Ah, not bad. Mm-hmm. And you opened and got a Tony nomination for that. I did. It One was, right to the other. That's it, amazing. It, it lasted a little longer than Rags, but not yes. nearly as long <laughs> as Les Mis. Let's put it that way. We, we should all be so lucky to have three <laughs> different projects that have those different lengths. Yes. Um, and uh, you, you returned years later, as we mentioned, uh, in the more recent revival to play the mother of the character you'd originally mm-hmm. played. Uh, tell us about what what appealed to you about returning to the show and what it was like to play that different role. Wasn't the revival it was the 10th anniversary ah, okay. version it was some i can't even remember what it was it was some mm-hmm. revamped version and mm-hmm. it was pretty much like the original production wise but it was it was odd it was sort of like you know when you go back to a childhood home and things mm. look smaller than you remember or mm. wait, why is that girl wearing my dress you know it was sort <laughs> of it was very odd you know and of course there were people in the company who barely were born when right. I when I originally had done it. So it was it was an odd experience, but it was fun to do. That's real cool. Um, well, last thing I want to ask you about is uh, you, you've done and continue online to do uh, teaching. And I was reading that uh, one of the things that you do is you train actors who are well-trained, but who have never sung. And I'm curious, what, what's, the first per- what's the first thing you try to teach to a person who's accustomed to being on stage, but maybe not accustomed to singing? That there's really no difference between speaking on stage and singing on stage, just that you have music and notes that you have mm. to learn. And obviously, there are technical things, you know, like maybe it needs more breath and all of that. But um, I think that's the big misconception that people who think of them as singers or people who think of mm-hmm. them only as actors mm-hmm. have is that there's some big difference between the two mm. things. If anything, the music should help you in, in the acting, just like the poetry in Shakespeare helps you with, you know, making acting choices. What did you think of Jim singing 2465? <laughs> Don't I, say it, Judy. Don't I say it. <laughs> thought he was excellent. Yay! <laughs> He's got the I job. I love you, Judy. I love you. <laughs> well, that's better than getting points, but let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Jim. We wanted to mm-hmm. know about the journey of one particular member of the original Broadway cast of Les Mis, who played one role in the original production and then the mother in a later production, as well as in a great performances concert that Jim has seen. So first, we want to know what is the name of either of the characters that this actor played? Helen, what did Jim O'Hare say? Jim said Cosette and Fantine. And Judy Kuhn? That is correct. That is correct. Cosette and Fantine. Fantine is Cosette's mother. There you go. And you played both. (laughs) Uh, All right. Next, we wanted to know what was the name of the concert that was recorded at Royal Albert Hall? Helen, what did Jim say? Jim said the 25th anniversary special (laughs) of Les Miserables. And Judy? Uh, that's not correct, though. There was a 25th anniversary. There was, but yeah. that, that was the one that we were speaking of. I was of. in the 10th anniversary uh, concert okay. at the Royal Albert Hall. Yes, and it actually was called uh, the Dream Cast in Concert because you were part of the Dream Cast. Uh, they assembled people see, from now, different productions. I didn't know that. You didn't know that. See, we, everybody gets to learn. Everybody gets to learn. Uh, the, the encore of that show, by the way, featured 17 different Valjeans from around the world all yes. coming together to sing, to sing <laughs> at the end. That is a, that's a lot of dolls to give to a kid. Um, and then finally, Judy, I think you will know the answer to this one. What was the name of that Tony-nominated actor who appeared in both roles and who played in that concert at Royal Albert Hall? Uh, Jim was not able to come up with an answer, but Judy Kuhn, can you? <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I think her name was Judy Kuhn, but I can't. That's right, it's you, Judy Kuhn. (laughs) And Jim, is there anything else you'd like to ask or say to our expert while we have her? Could I ask you a real quick question? So you get the gig, how exciting, even though you don't know a lot about it because it's been in London. Did they want the exact same production? Did they just literally move it over and say, this is how we're going to stage it, this is how we're going to sing it? Or did you guys do workshops of it? Trevor Nunn, who was one of the directors, is a has a remarkable way of getting you to do exactly what he wants you to do, but making you feel like you've discovered it yourself. <laughs> uh, that's a good director. We did, yep. we did a week of improvisations. We did all kinds of like, real like deep character and character work and circumstance work and all that stuff and then slowly made our way to doing the staging i think it was i'm assuming it was they maybe we made some changes i don't know because i had never seen it but there were it was complicated because there was that revolving stage and you couldn't mess with it too much Uh, Judy, I'm so happy that we got to talk to you and uh, hopefully we'll have you back to talk about some of your other amazing work. If people <laughs> want to find out more about you and your work, where can they find that? Well, uh, I have a website. It's judycune.net and I'm on Instagram at official, and I'm on Twitter at judycune1. I guess there's well, another judycune on Twitter. What? Well, Hel- <laughs> Helen can relate to that. We'll oh, find out girl. later. There are so many Helen. <laughs> there are so many Helen Hongs, and I haven't yet to kill any of them. <laughs> Judy, before before you go, can you please? I know this is a big ask, but can you just sing a few bars of something great from Les Mis? From Les Mis? Oh, from Les Mis. Oh yeah. my God. Can you okay. I dreamed a dream in time gone by. When hope was high and life worth living. Ah! Lovely. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That was amazing. You didn't, I mean, you didn't warm up. You just like went into it. It was amazing. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. We'll talk soon. Thank you, everybody. Good night, Judy. Bye. Bye. All right, Helen, what an ending to that segment. Oh my goodness. But uh, what is our score as we go into the next one? At the end of that round, Jim O'Hare has five points and Dulce Sloan has one point with a round of questions for Dulce coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Dulce about a topic she knows about. Plus, later, Dulce and Jim will go head-to-head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. This episode of Go Fact Yourself is supported in part by Fortunato Chocolate. Yummy. Fortunato Chocolate. Helen, did you receive your shipment of Fortunato Chocolate? I received a sample of Fortunato Chocolate, and it is chocolatey, divine amazingness. Mm. I was going to say something similar, but you you beat me to it. That is exactly what it is. You know, since 2008, Fortunato Number no. 4 chocolate has been prized by top chocolatiers and pastry chefs in Michelin-starred restaurants. It's made from rare, organically grown heirloom cacao from the jungles of northern Peru, and it's never been available to the general public until now. Ooh. Yeah. I didn't know all of that. So I just fancy. knew that it was delicious. I yes. mean, I just ate it being like, oh, my God, somebody sent me chocolate. It's going in my face, and this is amazing. I mean, it's very high-quality chocolate, but I didn't know that it had such provenance. Oh, oui, oui, oui. <laughs> uh, Fortunato number four, or nombre quatre. I don't know how to say number in French anymore. <laughs> numero quatre. Numer- no, numero Numero quatre. Eh, whatever. Fortunato number four is made by a family company that has direct relationships with over 400 farmers and a socially conscious business model that helps farm families earn more. So you can feel good while tasting good. 
oh man, uh, the ones I got, it had I had a milk chocolate, I had a dark milk, and I had a dark. And uh, it turns out that there can be math involved because it's available in 36% milk, 47% dark milk, and 68% dark. And it's sold in 1.1 pound bars with minimal packaging to help keep it affordable. My favorite and, was the dark milk. Oh yeah, no. Oh really? You like the dark milk? I, I like, like the, the dark, dark, dark. milk. Mm-mm. Yeah. I, I usually go for dark, dark, but this dark yeah. milk, mmm. It's good, good stuff. Hey, you probably want to get some of this chocolate for yourself. Well, to do it, you can go to podcastchocolate.com slash go fact. That's podcastchocolate.com slash go fact. That's podcastchocolate.com slash go fact. That's right. You can be like Helen and me and enjoy delicious, high-quality Fortunato number no. 4 chocolate by going to podcastchocolate.com slash go fact. Thank, Thank you, you Fortunato, Fortunato Chocolate. <laughs> I, I can remember as, as a child thinking it was odd that here was this can full of meat. I'm Jesse Thorne. This week on my show Bullseye, David Letterman on shame, regret, and canned hams. Is this the best delivery version of, of pork? That's this week on Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Jim O'Hare with five points and Dulce Sloan with one point. Once again, here's Jakey Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Dulce, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the TV show Star Trek The Next Generation, the TV show Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and historical Korean dramas. (laughs) A lot of woohoos going on here. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, you said you know a lot about Star Trek The Next Generation. Well, the thing is, in our house, you could not talk if Star Trek was on. Mm. If Star Trek, The X-Files, or basketball was on, you have to go sit down somewhere. <laughs> oh, wow. But my mother would always tell us that like the when Star Trek premiered, we saw Worf for the first time. Me and my brother would ask her, Mommy, why does that man have peanut butter on his forehead? (laughs) (laughs) I hope she hit you. No, she was like, okay, let me tell you how special effects makeup works. Um, So it's a show that I've always loved. Uh, Brent Spiner, I follow him on various social media accounts. I'm always like, I love you. And he says nothing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Wow. And then it comes on in reruns on BBC America. So I will watch them and be like, oh, yeah, that is what happened. And, you know, and my hatred of Alexander, <laughs> the weakest kid in American history. I, I hate know. that kid. Worf's He's son. The worst. Oh, I hate that kid. <laughs> Don't say you also said you know a lot about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Yes, because it is my dream in life to be a Cleon in a Star Trek and not these new J.J. Abrams Cleons or the ones they do on a Star Trek Discovery. I'm talking about old school Indian Remy, hair popping, titties popping, like I'm trying to be <laughs> one of the ba- like one of the sisters. Like I am trying, I think it was the Baylor sisters. Like I'm trying to, even though it, one of the actresses who passed away recently, I'm trying to be old school, Cleon, mm-hmm. giving you just realness. I want, uh, I'm out here with the so I can't, my mind is completely like I hate it. That's all right. Well, how, so yeah. how does that relate to Deep Space Nine in particular? Well, it relates to Deep Space Nine because you, one, it was the first time that the storylines weren't episodic. It became mm-hmm. serialized. Mm. So you have the overarching story of what happened to the Bajorans, or as my brother calls them, the Space Jews. 
And so, <laughs> by the way, it's my dream to be a Bajoran. See, like to play to play an old school Bajoran right. on some some Star Trek. Definitely. Yes. And I think what I really like about Deep Space Nine is that everything in the in Next Generation, it was all of the non humanoid character, all the non Earth human characters, mm-hmm. were at kind of accessories to the story. As opposed to when you have Deep Space Nine, it's you learn the history of the Bajorans. You learn the history, you learn more about the Cleon Empire. So mm-hmm. I liked it because you got to learn more about the other species on the show. Awesome. Oh, that's very humanistic of you. Thank you, friend. It's very like like broad, <laughs> broad thinking. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Well, speaking of history, you also said you know a lot about historical Korean dramas. Okay. Listen, I can't pronounce anything, so I'm not going to be a jackass. I'm not going to get me canceled. I'm not doing any of that, yeah. right? Okay. But, so, you know how, like, so basic TV, a lot of places had a Spanish channel, right? Mm-hmm. In Atlanta, there's also a Korean channel called KTN. So, when I was in, like, high school, middle school, I was, there's nothing on TV. I'm flipping through the channels, and I find this show on the Korean TV station called Bluebird with English subtitles. Mm-hmm. And then when streaming came out, like Hulu and Netflix and all of that, and then there's uh, there was Drama Fever, R.I.P. Drama Fever, and now there's Vicky. So there's different apps and stuff that I watch. And now that's how I learned about key sayings. That's how I learned about, ooh, you can really do anything. And if somebody is from Noble Blood, you will be murdered. Um, <laughs> I, there's so much intrigue. There's so right? much intrigue. There's so much palace intrigue and backstabbing, so. and like you don't know who your friends are, and like someone you think is on your side has actually been plotting your murder for 20 years. Like it's crazy the historical. And the king's drama. son is never the king's son. Yeah. <laughs> the king's son's never oh the yeah. King. There was always some hanky panky. There's always mm-hmm. somebody thinking that they somebody's child. That's not also the mm-hmm. second counselor. It's always going to be the enemy to the king. Like, mm. if he's standing, literally, because they say the left and the right side, if dude's standing on the left side, he hates the king. He's trying to take him out. <laughs> but his daughter is always married to the crown prince. So he's the king's brother. Like, it's, they're so good. And then I learned about key sayings, which is like the Korean versions of geishas. And like, because there's this great show called Wang Jinyi. And this was so bad. <laughs> They just made a movie about her and a TV show like 10 years ago. You know how bad of a you gotta be for people to be making movies about you? 500 years after you die? That should be the tagline on the poster. (laughs) In theaters. In theaters in the fall. Uh, Wow, that was quite a description. I I really love your passion about all of it. I love it. All right, so to summarize, Dulce, you said you know a lot about the TV show Star Trek The Next Generation, the TV show Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and historical Korean dramas. Today, we're going to quiz you about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Praise Jesus! Yes! The only reason why we didn't go with historical Korean dramas is because (laughs) there's no expert that's more expert than you, Yeah, really, sounds like it. And if they do, they... They don't speak English. Right. That's right. So how many times do you think you've gone through uh, each episode of Deep Space Nine? Let's see. Life... Well, I went through the first... I recently watched it, like, a few years ago, and then... I started doing it again in quarantine, but mm. it was like probably like two years ago. I went through the whole thing. So you've thing. seen them all multiple times. Yeah, I think I've seen a few of them yeah. multiple times. You know, that's when we realized that uh, 
Gold Ducat looked much better as a Cardassian than he did as a Bajoran. <laughs> and a right. human man's neck was way too long, is what right. I really learned. You know, I was on an episode of Star Trek Voyager. Tell me more yeah. about this show. Seriously. <laughs> oh, my God. And I only did one episode. And somebody, I was selling my condominium in Hollywood, and somebody bought it because I was on Star Trek. No! This guy, oh his my God. kid was obsessed with Star Trek and said, Dad, please buy this place because he lived here. I well, let's get episode. to uh, Dulce's topic because okay. I know she, she's getting yeah, very, very yeah. excited. Me and, me and Dulce are jumping at the bit about Star Trek. All right. Just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic, Dulce, to test your mastery in the subject with an expert-level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hand for any two of these five questions. Now, Jim, do listen closely because if Dulce answers incorrectly, which seems harder and harder to believe as we go along, <laughs> you can steal. Jim, by the way, how much do you know about Star Trek Deep Space Nine? Everything you guys have spoken about in the last 20 minutes might as well have been in Korean because okay. I don't know. <laughs> okay, yeah. This is right. where I am with you. Yes. Well, we'll see Thank if uh, Dulce gives you a chance to jump in. Here's your yeah, first question, Dulce. <laughs> Dulce, one of the most popular episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine features lots of footage from one of the most popular episodes of Star Trek, the original series. It involves the Deep Space Nine crew traveling back in time to help the Enterprise crew deal with an infestation of what furry, cute, but deadly creatures. Uh, what were they called? Tribbles? Helen? That is correct. That Yay! is correct. Tribbles. Yay! <laughs> also, it's always hilarious to hear Worf talk about how what a fierce enemy they were. Because it's like... <laughs> These are tennis balls with more fur. Yeah. <laughs> what, what weapon were they holding? Yes. Uh, fun fact, Walter Koenig, who played Mr. Chekhov on the original series, visited the set when they were shooting the DS9 episode and showed the actors how to work the controls of the bridge. He also said that he was paid eight times more for the archival footage that they used of him than he was paid to appear in the original episode. Wow. wow. By the way, you can hear Walter Koenig as a guest on Go Fact Yourself on episode 58. Woo. All right, don't say here's question number two. Deep Space Nine is a space station that orbits a war-torn planet where one population of the planet was recently liberated from another. What is the name of either the occupying force or the liberated one? The Cardassians occupied Bajorans on Bajor in the next to the wormhole. Helen? That is correct. That, is, of course, is correct for Damn, the points. that's Very impressive. Nice. Very nice. You are two for two. I did it. You did it. Here's question number three. The most popular gathering spot on DS9 was Quark's Bar. One of his regular customers was a Lurian trader who always seemed to be sitting at the bar. Although he is said to be very chatty, he never speaks a word during the entire series. What is this barfly's name? It starts with an M. I'm going to be a little more specific than that. Okay, can I get a hint? Helen, how about that first hint? It sounds like something people do at a funeral. Mourn. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Very nice for the point. Excellent use of the hint. Uh, fun fact, his name Mourn is a deliberate anagram of Norm, which is a tribute to the barfly on Cheers, played by George Went. By the way, George Went appears as our Cheers expert on episode 69 of Go Fact Yourself. I promise not every fun fact will be plugging our own show. You're three for three, Dulce. Here's question number four. Avery Brooks played Captain Benjamin Sisko. He also directed what is considered one of the best episodes of the show in which his character has a vision of himself as a 20th century Earthman named Benny Russell with what unusual occupation? Now he wrote sci-fi story. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. He was a science fiction writer. Very nice. 
Uh, fun fact, all of the other DS9 regulars played 1950s characters in Cisco's vision. All right, Dulce, you have a chance to go five for five if you can get this question right. You do still have a hint available. The Valiant crew of Deep Space Nine doesn't just hang around the space station. They go off on adventures using ships called runabouts. Each runabout has its own name, but they are all named after what? Rivers! Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Rivers on Earth. Dulce Sloan is five for five. Congratulations, wow. Dulce. I did it! You I did, did it! it. <laughs> uh, fun it. fact, in the third season, a much larger ship, the Defiant, took over as the primary vessel for exploration away from the station. All right, Dulce, you've obviously done very well in that round, but now here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. <sighs> we'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Dulce, when a series runs 176 episodes over seven seasons, as DS9 did, actors and their characters are likely to go through changes. One such change came when the second-in-command of DS9 got pregnant, and so did the actor playing her. But this was not a normal pregnancy, at least for the character, because she was not carrying her own child. So, for up to three points, what is the full name of the character who was second in command on DS9? What character's child did she carry? And what actor who was also pregnant at that time played that second in command? Okay, it's Kira Norris is the second in command. She's okay. carrying Keiko O'Brien's baby. All right. And Nana Visitor is the one who was playing Kira Norris, who was pregnant in real life, who was pregnant from the character from the actor who played Doctor Pashir. All right, Helen is taking note of that uh, very confidently said answer. We have an expert on hand that can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is an award-winning actor who's played on Broadway in movies and as the second-in-command ah! on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, it's Nana Visitor! Nana Visitor! <laughs> Hello, Nana! Dulce is freaking out! Dulce, are you still with us? No. No, you're not. She's gone. She's ascended to heaven. My soul, you. My soul left. Dulce is so impressive. She for sure knows more than I do. Okay. No doubt. Never. Oh no my doubt. God! I'm freaking out too. It's really you. I can't live. I can't live. I was literally talking to somebody. I think I was talking to my brother the other day about how when Bajorans give birth, it can't be noisy. It's got to be quiet. And so. Kira couldn't give birth to Keiko's baby because her her man and Chief O'Brien was messing with her, making too much noise in the birthing suite, and she had to kick him out so she could have Keiko's baby. It's unbelievable. Wow. I, I can't believe your breadth of knowledge of the show. Yeah. I am going to tell Doran, I'm going to call Doran right after we get off and talk about the peanut butter on his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I love about you is that you are so recognizable because your prosthetic was kind of like not that elaborate. Like you had a little bit of the prosthetic between your eyes, but like you were obviously very recognizable. Your face was very recognizable where I, as I know a lot of actors like Michael Dorn, for instance, you might not necessarily recognize him on the street because his prosthetics were so elaborate. Oh, you hear his voice and you know exactly who that is. Because <laughs> his voice is a panty dropper. You're not going to notice if the man is talking to you. Also, I have always wanted like the the, the Bajoran earring. I was like, yo, man, if, don't let me mess around and get some money. Because <laughs> I am getting a Bajoran earring. Because just the outfit. Because literally me and one of my friends, we were going to go to 
uh, Dragon Con, and we were going to do Worf and Judzia's wedding, but he was going to be the Trill, and I was going to be the Cleon. Yes! Have you ever been to Dragon Con? Yes, I have, because we and some other people started a hashtag called Black People at Dragon Con, because (laughs) it's literally a Where's Waldo. So you're literally yelling across from, hi, I'm the black person. What you doing? It's a great time. I love Dragon Con. And we don't just kind of like scam our way. Sometimes we pay to get in. Sometimes you scam your way in. But you, no. you get in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nana, what's your experience at those conventions like? I know you're very active in that community. It's wild. Dragon Con is the wildest of all. Dragon Con is mostly about the people who are, you know, coming to dress up and, and, the, and, and steampunk and every you see everything there and it's wall-to-wall people and it's the raciest um costumes mm. you'll see anywhere they're all a dragon mm-hmm. well you know why dragon con is so wild because that weekend in atlanta it's dragon con it's black gay pride it's a basketball tournament and a nascar race all going on at the same <laughs> oh time oh my god this is rest- the future liberals want right <laughs> so you'll see so there's like a hooters across the street from like the sheridan and you'll literally see young black gay kids in the, in the just various amazing looking outfits then a bunch of rednecks and nascar gear and then a bunch of kids dressed as harry potter and they're all going to look at wings and titties it's a very this works whatever brings you together exactly. weekend in atlanta georgia is just a time where many groups of people come together i yeah. think i had this dream once after eating too much uh, seafood uh, nanan let me ask you this uh is it, is it true that i read that your manager actually originally told you not to take this role uh when it was offered yeah, science fiction was considered the kiss of death for a career. And, mm. you know, I, they they wanted me on a, a fast track to be on a network show and make hundreds of thousands of dollars. And this was more, uh, you know, uh, it, it was it was a whole new thing. We weren't on a network. Mm. So, um, I mean, in terms of that, in terms of Star Trek, they know that it's, it can be the kiss of death. So he told me no. And I originally turned it down. I said, okay. What? Then uh, Rick Berman, uh, one of the producers, called me up. And he said, let me tell you who's writing this show. Let me tell you about our set. Let me tell you what we plan for the next seven years. Mm. I told him right then and there, I'm changing my call. I I'm mm. I want in on this. Absolutely. Yes. And I was so glad I did. I ended up firing the manager. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> Good, he's nice. useless. Whether it was true or not, it affected my career or not, I wouldn't change a thing. Not a thing. That role was such an honor to play. I saw in an interview that you said playing Kira was like Disneyland for an actor. Uh, what did you mean by that? I meant you get to go on every ride. You're going to be imprisoned in stone. You're going to be <laughs> this incredibly scary intendant character who just kills people by snapping her fingers and mm. is polyamorous it just doesn't matter um you're you're going to show every human aspect there is Mm. i got to do it all yeah you you uh i I watched some clips where you got to be very physical and and do fighting scenes did you like doing those uh, you got to fight i love to fight those were important to me and it was really important to me because you know as a woman and my my character was supposed to be kick ass. Mm. I wanted to know how to kick ass. Mm. You know, I wanted to do that part. I 
can say my favorite part about. Oh, I feel like I'm gonna cry. It's all right. <laughs> oh, Dulce! Yay! Dulce's getting emotional. That's I okay. We, we we can we can handle that. Dulce, tell us what's going on. Um, it's so so exciting to you. <laughs> I remember like getting up and like making breakfast, and like that was what we did on Sunday. Was like make breakfast and like watch Deep Space Nine. Like that's what we always did. Like every. It's like CBS Sunday morning would come on and then Deep Space Nine would come on. And so we did that every Sunday. And it was, even if, as we got older, even if it was me and my brother in our room and my mother in her room, we still all watched it. But I think people don't talk enough about the character arc that Kira's character has in the last season where she has to teach the Cardassians to be rebels against the Dominion. When she had to do all of this to get them out of her own, off her own planet. So tell us about that from your perspective as, a, as an actor, Nana. Well, um, one, of, one of the challenges, you know, when you're playing a role, you can't be judgmental. Um, you, you have to be true to the character. And I was playing a racist, dead on a racist. If, if someone had a Cardassian face, I hated them. And there was really, what Dulce is saying, really an arc in the seven years uh, concerning exactly that. Not that I was ever, um, it, not that Kira was ever fond of Cardassians, but she certainly got over her racism and learned to work with them and see them as something other than the other. Mm. This is going to be a very weird shift in years, but I did find one fact about you that I wanted to confirm because I think it'll be fun for us to talk about, uh, which is I know you're I know you're a big dog lover, which I know Jim O'Hare you are as well. Is it true that you have or recently had a dog named Helen? The love of my life, Helen, was a party standard poodle, which means she was a black and white poodle. She was famous when I lived in New York. People, I'd walk her in Central Park and everyone wanted to take pictures of her. All the all the tourists had to have a shot of her because she wore and she I I had a, a string of pearls that she'd wear <laughs> and she'd be like yes now we can go oh that's hilarious she was a fancier Helen than I <laughs> <laughs> all right well I'm glad we can end on a lovely note like that uh let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned you heard the questions uh, yes. that we asked of Dulce we wanted to know what is the full name of the character who was second in command of Deep Space Nine Helen what did Dulce say Dulce said Kira Norris. And uh, Nana? Do we have any doubt she was right? We do not have any <laughs> doubt that is a point for Dulce. Next, we wanted to know what character's child did she carry because it wasn't her own. Helen, what did Dulce say? Dulce said Keiko O'Brien. And uh, Nana? That is absolutely right. <laughs> absolutely correct. There's another point. And what actor, gee, I wonder who, who was also <laughs> pregnant at that time, played that second in command? Helen, what did Dulce say? Dulce said Nana Visitor. And Nana? Couldn't be more correct. That is a perfect <laughs> game for Dulce Sloan. Congratulations, wow. Dulce. I'm so excited I wrote that down. <laughs> we could be talking to Khloe Kardashian right now. <laughs> oh, uh, before we let you go, we are running late, but uh, Dulce, is there anything quickly that you'd like to say to Nana while we have her here? I love you. There you go. Dulce, <laughs> I'm so impressed with you. You are someone I'd love to sit down and have dinner with and just talk for a couple of hours. Oh, thank you. I'll probably cry the first hour. 
Then <laughs> 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 people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they do that? I'm on Twitter. That's the best place to find me. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was an honor and a pleasure. Uh, Nana Visitor, ladies and gentlemen. Nana Visitor. Thank you so much, Nana. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Awesome. Uh, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Dulce Sloan has nine points and Jim O'Hare has five points. All right. But now it comes to the final round that we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Jim and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Jim, Facebook is a social networking site. True. That is correct. Dulce, MySpace is a social networking site. True. Correct. Jim, MySpace still exists. True. Correct. Dulce, MySpace has an official iPhone app. True. Incorrect. No, sorry, Jim. MySpace has an official Android app. Uh, false. Correct. Yeah, that's right. No, MySpace used to be on both iPhone and Android, but the apps have been discontinued for years. Dulce, in 2005, MySpace was sold for over $1 billion. True. Incorrect. Jim, in 2005, MySpace was sold for over half a billion dollars. Uh, true. Correct. Dulce, in 2007, MySpace was valued at $12 billion. False. Incorrect. No, it really was. Jim, in 2011, MySpace was sold for an estimated $35 million. True. Correct. Dulce, one of those 2011 buyers of MySpace was Justin Timberlake. True. Correct. Jim, you shouldn't trust Justin Timberlake with your money. (laughs) False. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) And finally, Dulce, you shouldn't trust Justin Timberlake with your heart. Oh. (laughs) Crimey Lover taught us that you can't trust Britney Spears with your heart. Mm. True. Correct. (laughs) We're not going to count those last two. That's all right. Let's uh, thank Jim O'Hare and Dulce Sloan as Helen tabulates the final score. Helen, are you ready to announce the final score in tonight's episode? I am at the end of the game. Dulce Sloan has 12 points and Jim O'Hare has nine points. A very high scoring game, but congratulations, Dulce Sloan. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. Dulce, what will you do with your championship? Uh, I'm going to spend it on dinner with Nana Visitor. <laughs> one hour of crying. <laughs> with seven uh, more hours of hanging out and talking about Michael Dorn. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap things up by giving our guests a chance to promote anything that they would like. Jim O'Hare, where can people find you? What do you have going on people can see? Oh, wow, you can find me at jimohare.com. I'm on Instagram at the real Jim O'Hare. And O'Hare is O-H-E-I-R. Uh, if you want to find Parks and Recreation, we have left Netflix, and we are on the Peacock Network. Ooh, very, uh, very streams. Oh, yeah. I've been waiting for that to happen. And then there's Facebook and whatever else. I don't know. What are, I'm out there all over the place, kind of. Uh, some projects that I uh, can't really announce yet, but I've shot three different things during the virus uh, that will be out there sooner than later. Awesome. Well, we're so happy that you joined us. I'm glad we were able to do this. It was a pleasure to host you and have you on the show. Jim O'Hare, everybody. This was a lot of fun. Thank you oh, so I'm so much. Happy and to don't say I'm blown away by your knowledge. You are Thank you. a genius. I'm a big old nerd. <laughs> All right. That big old nerd, Dulce Sloan, where can people find you? I'm on the internet at Dulce Sloan because my mother gave me an awesome name. So it's just me. No matter how many people try to make fake accounts on Instagram because I will report you. <laughs> And that's D-U-L-C-E-S-L-O-N in Spanish, not Italian. My mom went to college. I'm on the interwebs. I'm on the Facebooks. I'm on the Instagrams. Um, 
I have a podcast out now called That Black Ass Show, where I talk about black creatives, about black TV shows and movies. I talk to creatives about black TV shows and movies. I have a movie called Chick Fight coming out in November. So watch that, please. And I have a cartoon with Fox called The Great North that's coming out uh, next year. And watch The Daily Show. Sometimes I'm on, sometimes I'm not. My name ain't on nothing. That's Trevor. He on every night. I'm on when I'm on, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, we're so happy that you joined us. Dulce Sloan. Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is your favorite person named Helen Hong because she is... Spoiler alert, Helen Hong. That's right. Yay. What uh, an intro. Yes. <laughs> you can find me on the socials at funny Helen Hong because unlike Dulce, there's a lot of Helen Hongs out there and ah. I'm, I'm the funny one. I'm the funny one. So Indeed. don't follow the angry Helen Hong or the regular <laughs> Helen Hong or the, the unoriginal Helen Hong. I'm the funny one. And I'm on a show on Sci-Fi Channel right now called The Magical Girl the Magical Girl Friendship Squad. It's animated, so check that out on Sci-Fi Network and follow me at Funny Helen Hong. She is funny. She is Helen. She is Hong. She is funny Helen Hong. Uh, and me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith, on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out, and writing transitions for a game show that I cannot name <laughs> 800 <laughs> times. Uh, <laughs> that just leaves me to thank Jim O'Hare, Dulce Sloan, Judy Kuhn, Nana Visitor. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com and buy our T-shaped shirt at MaxFunStore.com. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night! Like what you hear? Come see us live. Someday. It's free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like Shay Noor did. He, she, or they said they got who on the show? Thanks, Shay Noor. We can't believe it either. Helen? <laughs> Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Go Fact Yourself's theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun's senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer, editor, and awesome guy overall is Julian Burrell. Special thanks to Tracy Christian and Caleb Cartier at TCA MGMT, Michael Cerverus, Mark Norberg, Elise Areccio, Riley Silverman, Raven Snook, Brandon J. Carr, Clint Tauscher, Mike Avellanos, Adam Nedif, Dave Bianchi, Eric Tran, and Christine Vallada. I've been Helen Hong! Let's go watch Star Trek! Yes! I've actually never seen it before. I can't believe I do a podcast with you. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.